welcome to this Diversity and Inclusivity Finance Forum podcast. Working for difference, making business better and fairer. The DIFF series of podcasts is aimed at helping people from underrepresented groups get into and get on in the mortgage and protection industry. And to help everyone understand why genuinely prioritizing diversity is good for all of us individually, good for your business, and good for the mortgage market as a whole. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals participating and not necessarily of their respective companies, either past or present. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another DIFF podcast. My name is Danielle Moore, Operations Director at Mortgage Solutions, and today I'll be joined by someone who we've heard from before in a couple of our previous episodes, and another who needs little introduction given he is a vocal and visible contributor to the press and the market as a whole. Firstly, we have Esther Destra, who is Managing Director Intermediaries at Lloyds Banking Group, and she'll be talking to me today alongside Andrew Montlake better known as Monty to most, who is MD at London-based broker firm Corico. Monty is regularly quoted in the media and is also the current chair of Amy. So welcome to you both. Now, Hester joined me last year alongside Sarah Tucker from The Mortgage Mum, and we spoke then specifically about the return of mothers to work after having children. For those of you who didn't listen to this episode, it is still available, so I urge you to do so. But a theme in it was that it was imperative for you to set your own boundaries in order to be who you wanted to be. As without this, whatever support within the organisation you had, you would not necessarily feel fulfilled. And that's something we're going to explore today. Now, we often hear about the challenges of new parents, but the struggles continue as children grow. Many parents, especially mothers, face the dilemma of balancing their careers with the demands of school-aged children. Today, we'll explore why this issue persists and what the industry can do to address it. One glaring problem is the misalignment between school hours and the standard working day. Schools typically run from 9 till 3.30 with extensive holiday periods, up to 105 days in some cases a year, whilst employees usually only have 25 days of paid leave. We'll delve into whether enough is being done to support parents in this situation and why there's a difference between mothers and fathers in handling these challenges. According to a recent survey, 56.2% of female parents made employment changes for childcare reasons. This is compared to only 22% of males. Additionally, women spend more time on unpaid childcare and housework, but employers can definitely play a crucial role in addressing this imbalance. Should employers actively engage male employees in discussions about altering their schedules, for example, to contribute more at home without harming their professional reputations? If greater flexibility is the answer, then how does this play out to all employees, even those without children? By fostering positive workplace cultures that encourage men to take on more childcare responsibilities, can we challenge the idea that caregiving is primarily a woman's role and enhance gender equality at work? In today's conversation, Esther and Monty will share their insights regarding the approach to policy in both small and larger businesses, discuss their team's return to work experiences post-COVID, and compare these corporate policies to their own personal journeys as parents. Now, I think I've spoken far too much already, so enough from me. Esther, can you give our listeners a brief recap on your career journey and the juggle of raising your children and how this has developed as they've got older? Thank you, and thanks for having me today. 
So I started my career in consulting in IBM and then I moved to legal and general where I had both my children actually worked for legal and general for 10 years and now I'm at Lloyd's Banking Group for 10 years and my children are 16 and 14 so they're teenagers and as you said it's very timely because one has gone back to school today and the other one is going back to school next week and yes enough challenges to talk about all those years of you know managing a career and children going to school and various schools as in you know preschool primary and secondary just done GCSE exams and so one started at A levels. And do you think it's got more difficult for you to work and be responsible for looking after them as they've got older and as you've had to juggle the the school admin and hours etc? I think when I look back on all the journeys from when they were very little preschool and right to now One of the key things that keeps you going as a mother is the routine. And when there settles in school, the routine is there and it works unless it gets disrupted, but it it works. It's the transition periods that make it really hard. So every school holiday is hard, hard to go back, hard to get back into the routine. And then you have the bigger transitions as well. And I think what I've found in both preschool, primary, but even secondary, is that schools aren't really geared up for both parents working because they still organise things. And perhaps more so in primary during the day, you know, it being sports day, it being, you know, Mother's Day where they organise the tea party. And it's very hard for the children because we have no family either living close. So our children were always the only ones who didn't have a parent present at sports days, didn't have mum present at tea party. Trust me, I tried to make it in those sort of six to eight years. They were both at primary and I never made it. It's just because I have a job where you travel, where you logistically, if I had a conference planned where I'm speaking, I feel I can't let hundreds of people down because I need to sit for, you know, an hour at the tea party. And I know that sort of sounds a bit wrong, maybe. Maybe I should have prioritised the tea party for Mother's Day. But I think they're not catered to it because it's sort of planning is quite ad hoc. Yeah, and then it makes it more difficult to balance it out because you almost are left with no options, no options to either find alternatives or rebalance your calendar, etc. So I think that's hard. And I think what I've found over the years is I think when the children are younger, it's more the logistics. So it's a lot of because they need care 24-7 because you can't leave a six-year-old alone. When they get older, luckily, you can leave them even if it's an hour or whatever on their own. But the problems tend to get bigger, not saying that you can't have big problems when they're young but when they get a bit older you tend to get more just as time goes on being at illnesses or being at more teenage problems with drinking drugs parties or other issues social media being also a biggie and I think that then takes time which is very ad hoc because you know you then have to either attend school meetings or other things to sort that out or be there and particularly the guilt is then really bad because you then constantly battle with the 
if I had been there more, would it not have happened? And you do feel judged because you know that people are talking about it or thinking about it. And particularly, I feel perhaps more as a mother that people do go like, oh, yeah, that's the working mum and the child has now done something or gone off the rails or whatever. I think that's really hard as they get older, those problems get bigger. Yeah, and I think that's a really valid point, actually. The judgment, too, in both situations, probably at the school gates from the parents or the teachers, but also maybe as well within the workplace. And that's something we'll come on to. Before we do, Monty, one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you is because unlike our kind of first visit in terms of children and childcare, we kind of focused a lot more on the women. But obviously there's a challenge that men face in the workplace in terms of childcare as well. So I think a lot of people listening will know who you are, but not necessarily too much about your own home dynamics. So do you want to tell us a bit about your kids and the journey you've been on and like your division of childcare responsibilities in your family? Yeah, sorry, you might hear the washing machine in the background. You might hear, I'm sort of a bit nervous because my daughter's down the road, my 12-year-old, Lila. So she's going to come knocking on the door any moment. And my son, Rafi, who's 15, is meant to be doing work on the kitchen table, but I'm sure he's just playing games. So there is a lot of juggling to do. I think from my point of view, I'm quite, I don't know. I've always, when I think about my family life, I think I've said to you before, I feel... I feel like a bit of a failure, actually, as a father in terms of actually being there for my kids and my family in the, certainly in the younger years. I think sometimes there is a lot of pressure on women and working mothers. And don't get me wrong, that is, that is something that, that's really important that we as an industry and, and everyone as a society needs to address. But there is also a pressure on fathers as well. And having spoken to a lot of men, and it was interesting in the in the pandemic, actually, a lot of guys got together and started to open up a little bit more about how they were feeling and the pressures they were feeling. And I've had comments from guys saying, if I need to do a school run, I'd rather lie and say, I've got a meeting or I'm not well or anything that doesn't suggest that you have to go home and look after kids because it was sort of quite frowned upon for a man to do that. And I think from my point of view, I've sort of not been able to get away from this. I need to work. I need to work all the time. I need to look after people, especially when you're running a business and the pressures from that point of view. I think sometimes it's quite confusing for guys now in terms of, are they meant to be the alpha male, the traditional alpha male who goes out and earns a crust and, and looks after their family? But then they also have to be the new type of man, which I believe should be, which is actually sharing responsibilities and doing things together and actually being sensitive to everything else. And it's quite a difficult balance for guys. And I think if you look at things like the suicide rate in males, which is so high at the moment, that's definitely one of the contributing factors that that stress of how do I deal with everything at once? Who am I meant to be, etc. I think that's quite difficult. And I think if I had my time again, I'd like to think that I'd learn from my mistakes and spend a lot more time in the family home rather than just being obsessed with working and I've got to be there and I've got to be seen there and I've got to get on and that's what I have to do. And the pressure you feel from some people around you and, and even within Corico and the company I'm in now, before lockdown, it was very much, 
I felt the pressure that I had to be there. There were people putting pressure on me that I felt it was male peer pressure to just deal with things, just work and get on with it. So it's quite an interesting one. And the pressures as you get older and the kids get older, they do ease. Esther's absolutely right. They do ease a bit. I can leave them at home now. So 15 and 12. My wife works as well. She's got her own business. And I think if you were to interview her, she'd say she probably felt like a a one parent family for a while. But hopefully we're trying to address that now. Thanks, Monty. And I think you're right. It is really interesting. Not something that I had thought about in a lot of detail in terms of the male perspective, if I'm really honest, until the last kind of 12 months. I think leadership from within companies, organisations is obviously really important because how you both feel personally, the journeys that you have been on yourselves will affect how you kind of perform towards your employees. But what they see from you is how they will think it is appropriate to kind of behave, I guess, to an extent. Well, that's the starting point anyway, isn't it? Because if they see, for example, you, Monty, leaving early to go and do something for your children, then maybe the men within your organisation and the women, because actually I think it's about parents, isn't it? It's people. It's not necessarily men or women as such, but we'll feel more able to do that and to be able to be more flexible. I agree. I think actually I've, I've tried to make a conscious change on that because we do have an environment within Corico where it is family first. I always tell people, it's, it's a shame I don't live by that, but I do always tell people it's family first. If they've got an issue, they need to leave early. It's not a problem. If they've got issues with children, it's not a problem. There's always that flexibility, and I've always been big on that. And I started making conscious effort now to really mention, actually, do you know what? No, I have to do this. I have to go and look after my kids. And that leadership role that says that you're not afraid to talk about it and do it is quite important and that filters down. Yeah, no, I just want to say as well, I think, Monty, you're very harsh on yourself. I don't think you're a father. I think your children will see you as a role model. And I think that's really important as well, that people feel they can be who they want to be. But I agree, it's a lot about signalling, isn't it, as a leader? And I very consciously took the decision when I stepped into the MD role to make sure I do mention my family life, my children in all the speeches that I do, etc. just because I think it's good that people see you as a whole person, including your family, and that's the norm to talk about it. And then I think it's also really important to balance out the flexibility on various aspects. And what I mean by that is, I think we've got some very clear guidance on flexibility. And and like Monty said, there is always room if you have ad hoc problems to deal with that, etc. And I hope that any employer would allow that. I think there is a bit more nuance when it comes to regular sort of flexibility. So when it's the daily school run, etc. And I think within teams, you need to have a good balanced discussion about that because you also have non-parents or other carers. And I think you need to make sure that it's fair and equitable so that everybody feels that they, because everybody probably needs ad hoc flexibility at some point in their life. And therefore, people understand that very well. But I think that day to day is probably worthwhile discussing a bit better 
allowing it, but then it's part-time working or shift patterns that fit with the school hours, etc. And I think that's good to have an open discussion about that. And I think as a leader, you need to instigate that and you need to talk about that. But that's not always easy in the workplace, is it? Because I guess I can imagine that if you're a non-parent that you would find that quite difficult because you don't have children. So you might not feel you have a voice, but of course you should, because if you're part of a team and you have to fill in the gaps, then I think you should have a voice. It's quite interesting, actually, Esther, because the change since the pandemic, and I keep coming back to that because there has been a shift, is before the pandemic, if you gave a working mum some flexible time or et cetera, it was just accepted. And now there is a bit of discontent from people who don't have kids who are like, well, I know they've got kids, but they're allowed to come in at this time. Why can't I? Why can't I have the same that they are, they're having? And it's it's quite an interesting shift in that. And it's quite a battle to actually, as an owner of a company with about 50 people, to actually work out how do you get people back into the office? How do you keep the flexibility? How do you keep the culture going and all of that? So you don't want to just order everyone back into the office because the one thing the pandemic has done has proved that actually if you're a working mum and you need that flexibility, of course it can work. And there's a massive talent pool of people who can now come back into the work environment and work in that way. But it's it's really hard to balance that with everyone else when everyone's looking at everyone else and wanting the same flexibilities. So is it, I think, you know, communication is obviously really key, isn't it? I mean, Esther, you mentioned it, communication between teams and being honest and open and creating an environment where people can question things. I mean, I remember being questioned about why do others not have the same opportunity as myself like a few years ago in terms of flexibility because I've chosen to have children. Why should that affect someone else who hasn't? And I think you're right, Monty, this kind of requirement from parents is is really key but how do we provide that and not disadvantage those who aren't but yet still keep a business running as it needs to do you think there there's not a blueprint is there for everyone so how do you go about it I mean it'll be different within your organization Esther to what Monty's is because presumably you can be a bit more flexible Monty than Esther can be I would have thought so, but I've never worked in a big corporate, so I'll let Esther speak on that. But uh, yeah, we try and be as flexible as possible. And that's become another part of our DNA now in terms of the flexibility of the workforce to make sure that they can have that work-life balance. Yes, I want them to work hard and yes, I want them to do well. And yes, I want them obviously to look after their clients whenever they need to. But I do also not want them to be like me. And I want them to have that downtime and that family life. And we're starting to talk about mental health now within financial services a lot more openly, which is fantastic. And things like the Mortgage Industry Mental Health Charter and publicising that and making sure people have that balance is really important. Because I am a big believer that if people do have that balance and they do feel supported, then you get more productivity out of them and a happier workforce is a more productive one. So everyone wins. So yes, we try and have that flexibility, but I am battling at the moment in terms of how much flexibility is too much flexibility and the needs of the business versus the needs of people. And I think a lot of businesses are struggling with that. I agree, Monty. 
I was just about to say I agree. And I think, you know, on an individual team level, it's probably very similar. It's just that as a group, we have central policies and guidelines that you need to set. But at the end of the day, there is discretion because you as a line manager have to manage it, etc. So I think for me, the nice thing coming out of lockdown is that more flexibility is possible because we know people can work from home but we've also realized that time in the office is really important or time together face to face is really important to make those connections to do innovation etc etc to help people develop and those sorts of things and i think we still need to make more of a shift to focus on the outcomes i think people are still very focused on how many hours do you put in or how much have you been in the office etc and look at it almost on a very time-bound daily basis whilst i think particularly in financial services professional services industry for me it's you know making that shift to it's much more about outcomes and over longer periods as well, because sometimes people will need a little bit of leeway because they're going through a tough patch with a child, might be illness, might be, you know, school issues, etc. But then they might make up for it later on. So I think it's shifting that. But like Monty said, that's not easy because that's a lot of balancing, a lot of judgment, not always clear fixed rules and people prefer that because it gives clarity and it does require trust you need to make sure that you not only as the leader of the organization and as line managers but also as a team that you have that trust and i think that still ultimately comes back to communication and talking openly about it and creating a work environment that works. And I think definitely for me in a big corporate, there is still a little bit the reminisce of old cultures of presenteeism, you know, to get career, etc. And you definitely have to face into those. It's very interesting. I think in our place, it, it does depend on job role as well. So if, if you're a mortgage broker, then you are judged on your output every month it's what you do and it's very easy to see if someone's doing well or someone's not doing well and if someone's doing well it doesn't you know we've often said i don't really care if you're working on the moon as long as you're doing well got great compliance looking after your clients etc then it's very easy to be judged if you're a back office person that's a lot harder and that actually so can you have different flexibility for say front office and back office Yes, you can, but then that brings back the, well, why can they do that and we can't? And it's quite difficult to balance that as well sometimes. And that's why you need the communication and the open avenues and that presenteeism. Because also the other thing about everyone being then together is that things are discussed more. And if you've created a culture where people can be open and honest, then hopefully it will be able to be discussed. And, you know, they have the difficult stuff too, because I think there are myths that you can be given as a parent this flexibility and then everything's really rosy and easy. And it's not. I try and be really clear about the fact that I might come in a bit later sometimes so I can drop the kids off or whatever it is. But actually, it's really hard. It is really hard. And it is about your output. You still have a job to do. You just have some other things that you've got to juggle at the same time. But it isn't easy. And being realistic about that is really important. But also showing you can do it and you can succeed 
in whatever role it is that you have, but it's not necessarily an easy road. Because I think sometimes when we talk about non-parents being disadvantaged, you know, they maybe see it as just you're getting an easy ride. I think it's important to kind of understand that's not what it is. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also, I call it the Instagram families. There is still a little bit that tendency to lead with or the perfect happy family pictures whilst everybody who has a family (laughs) knows that that's a very short moment in time that's just before the fight erupted again or whatever happens it's really pertinent the moment you mentioned it earlier you know school holidays right it's a really tricky time I think for parents when one of your children's back today I'm still don't go back until next Wednesday but then for me you know next week we've got a huge event I'm away this weekend's going to be spent trying to sort out school uniforms school shoes and everything else that I've forgotten to do up until this point but actually with the school holidays I kind of just want to touch on those and the cost of living crisis which is meaning that people are finding it harder to pay for this kind of wraparound care that's required particularly for those and I know both of you kind of have slightly older children now but um, for the younger primary school age children it's an issue because you've got to find something for them to do in the six and a half weeks that they're off whilst you're working but also to pay for it you know for me it's been like 60 pound a day for both kids to do something at the least and that's for six hours they're six weeks of the holidays so it's a challenge i don't want to disappoint you danielle but you still have to do a bit of organizing when they get older because otherwise they just don't get out of their rooms at all and sit on the phones at least mine and you get into a whole host of other issues in terms of mental health well-being etc etc so in different challenges again I think in different stages of school going children and I think if I break it down for me school holidays total utter nightmare because they do break the routine which is hard because that's all you're sometimes hanging on to when you have and a full-time career and both parents quite often and two children to manage and it's really too short quite often to find another routine if you see what I mean so you're just sort of limping through whichever holiday it is like you said the cost but also the timings and the options why and I can understand it because quite often those are very small businesses and those people aren't getting rich from it let's face it as well it's more quite charitable as well in often people who do the sports clubs and the other clubs but they don't align with even the school time so you have that whole thing to manage and then what I've also find really tricky is the coordination with others. And I'm not sure if that was because I am a working mum and therefore maybe I'm never at the coffee mornings or in the chat groups, etc. Because trust me, I have enough emails to sort out. So I've never made the perfect connection, you know, that you could say, yeah, you handle all the logistics for that week and I will do it for the two. You, do you see what I mean? So that you balance out the load and that you get them in the clubs together or I've never managed to sort that out because that would have been a whole other job. And I can't move away from that. It must be possible to somewhere more centrally get that organized but then you go you know it's not easy to run a school either so I guess it is quite tricky isn't it but I don't think it's optimal at the moment I think for everybody it's a bit of a struggle cost timings options coordination and the breaking of the routine 
Yeah, this is the first summer holiday that has been more challenging because the kids haven't wanted to do anything. They haven't wanted to go to a camp or anything like that. And that there's nothing really available that really interests them. So yeah, they have been, I can see it. They're on their phone nine hours a day or you try and get them to do stuff. But if I'm working, my wife runs her business and it's hard. What can we do something together when do we have time to do that so sometimes they are left alone that does concern me now in the old days you just sort of kick them out the house and I'd be on my bike and cycling around for a day and that would be great it would be great you'd knock on your friends doors and see if they were around but now it's all just oh no I'll just communicate on the phone or I'm on snapchat all day that's what they do I think there's something to be said for the American system where they just ship their kids off to camp for four weeks that's brilliant that's what we should have. Do you think yours would let you do that? Well, I don't think they have much of a choice in the US. It's about, no, they wouldn't let me do that at the moment. But that's because they're probably spoiled. But it's one of those. When they actually go to something, they'll get into it and probably enjoy it and make friends. But the idea of doing it is a big no. It's a really tricky time, I think, holidays. And I wonder if for those who do have those younger children... Is it our responsibility? Is it the responsibility of the employer to help with our childcare facilities at work to ease the burden? Can we get together as an industry to provide a central childcare facility that's kind of subsidised or the cost of the employees less? I don't know. That's a big ask. Yeah, that's quite a good idea. In our South End office, we have a little corner, the sort of the creche corner with a TV and table and people can bring their kids in. I love seeing it when people bring their kids in or their dogs. We're very kids and dogs friendly. But if we did manage to do something like that, maybe it's something that we'll have to look into, but be able to keep more parents sane, probably, because they're not worrying about, you know, you've got that funny age as well where you kind of, do you leave your kids at home, do you not? They don't want to go to this, they don't want to go to that, but you still have to go to work and do things. So It tends to change at around 12, I think. So now my daughter's 12, she wants to be left alone at home. Whereas before, she'd always come into the office if we needed to and everyone would look after her. You bring a kid into the office under 12, everyone helps and everyone looks after. And But over that age, they get shy and don't really want to communicate. I know that definitely in Scottish Widows, there was a nursery in the building which was partly supported by the corporate. It's a bit tricky because with benefits and kinds, etc., you have to work it all through. And then secondly, I think in terms of kids in the office, we had debates about it because also people were working from home and occasionally it became apparent that there were children walking around. And I think as an employer, you have to be a little bit mindful of the health and safety as well, because it would not be good if something happened and it's because you don't have the right structure in place. And I think that might be easier to be done in a small office where, you know, you know, there's no wires poking out. There shouldn't be anyway, but you know what I mean. But I think for us as a large corporate with lots of buildings and facilities, that would probably be logistically quite difficult to do. And we even find with people People working from home say, yeah, of course, if you have a 12 year old that's fully capable looking after themselves, fine. But when there are health and safety issues with smaller children, because if you're focusing on work, you can't then safeguard that child. So some difficult questions there. But again, it's all about flexibility, isn't it? And having that dialogue, saying what's possible. 
definitely. I mean, I think, you know, from this conversation, yeah, flexibility is obviously the key requirement so that we can encourage and provide a healthy work culture, but the how we as leaders kind of perform within our businesses and show our employees what is okay and, and what isn't and start conversations with people proactively, particularly the male employees, to see if there is anything that we can do to help rather than just assuming that they have the confidence to come and talk to us because maybe they don't. So I guess I want to finish up by kind of just asking you, this is not going to be an easy question, um, for two quick fixes, because I think it's very apparent there aren't quick fixes, but to how people can improve their current situation. So one personal and one kind of from the business point of view. So Esther, I'll go to you first. Well, from the business perspective, I think you summed it up earlier. Open dialogue, include the non-parents and other carers, and there's no need to keep up the instant world. I think on a personal note, for me, it's just to accept that small steps are fine and things don't have to be perfect. And I have two lovely, funny, caring children, so they're growing up to be beautiful individuals. So that's enough. And Monty? Yeah, it's great. From a business point of view, it's all about communication and just making sure that you're, as a leader, available, open and honest. And I think that's absolutely everything and be really authentic about yourself and your situation and to be flexible, always be ready to be flexible with whatever comes about and make sure you're there to support anyone who needs support for whatever reason. On a personal perspective, I need to get my shit together. <laughs> 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 um, so it, yeah on a personal perspective it's just about trying to accept that the flexibility that I'm keen for everyone who works for Corico to enjoy I should also try and enjoy and, and like Esther I'm really proud of my kids and my son is growing up to be a, a lovely caring boy and my daughter will probably rule the universe. So I, I'm not worried about, about her at all. They are very self-sufficient and it's lovely to see. And one day they'll actually start to talk to me and respect me again. Oh, and I think they already do, Monty. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> they do. And, and that you're a key reason as to why they are the people that they are becoming. And obviously the same for you, Esther. You both are great role models, I think, to them and to the industry as a whole. So Thanks so much for, for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. And thanks to our listeners. We'll see you again next time. If you have enjoyed this episode and want diversity and inclusion to have as wide an audience as possible, make sure you share with your friends and colleagues and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode.